And I also identify as a humanist, um, a humanist in the sense that the human person needs to be given all the necessary support to realize their potential. Welcome to Return to Source, a podcast where we explore culture and creativity, healing and heritage. I'm your host, Araba Oforiakwa. It's my intention to take you on a journey of discovering how ancestral knowledge can help my guests, me and you live well and live out our divine destinies. Ready? Let's go. In today's episode, I'm talking to Alex Kofi Donko. He's a photographer, researcher, campaigner, community builder and lots of other things. Uh, But he's probably best known as the founder of LGBTQ Rights Ghana. This was honestly an incredible conversation. You know, sometimes you speak to someone and you can just hear in their voice that they are truly here to change the world. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So thank you, Kofi, for joining us today. Welcome to the Return to Source podcast. How are you? It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm good. How about you? I'm good. Thank you. So we're going to get straight into it, and I'm going to start with um, the same first question that I ask everyone, and that is, which aspect of your heritage has had the biggest influence on your work? Um, I would say the heritage that has had influence on my work would be um, the family in which I come from. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up around women, um, my mom, my grandmother, my aunties, and these women, I would say, played very important role in my life in the sense that they were the breadwinners of the house. Mm. Um, I have five other siblings and they are all males. <laughs> wow. You know, my aunties also have, my aunties' children are also male. And so in the house, we all grew up together and you can imagine having male children mm. and women being the lead um, persons in the house. Yeah. So you can imagine how struggling they had to struggle <laughs> to take care of all of us. So, I mean, growing up and watching them go about the everyday life to feed for us and to mm. provide for us and to give us this level of education and support mm. the way they did. Um, it's one that I am always grateful for and I'm always happy that I had them in my life. And I think their approach to life and their very being is also what has shaped me mm. um, the way I am today. Yeah, mm, Amazing. I always think you can tell when someone has grown up in a household with strong women right? and with women <laughs> in a position of power. <laughs> Obviously, I think that's the best kind of household to grow up in. It is. It is. It's amazing, you know. So sometimes I find it a little bit awkward and a little bit weird when uh, men are talking or talking a particular way. I'm like, "Uh -uh, Mm. I didn't grow up like this. This is not really familiar with me. I can't really do anything with this. I'm sorry, you know. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Like, sorry, can't relate. Um, So which area was that that you grew up? It's interesting, right? I actually grew up around this area. I grew up in Medina. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in Medina born. Um, I've lived most of my life here in Medina. Okay. So I am very much familiar with this neighborhood, even though I grew up from the other side of Medina, anyway. Oh, nice. Okay, so is it like a Gar family that you grew up in? No, actually, my family are fanties. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, my family are fanties, and um, and uh, you know the fanties are also matrilineal. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. We 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 uh, I trace my lineage to my mother's side, mm-hmm. and um, but interestingly, my dad is also a fanti, but I was more closer to my mom's family, and okay. I think I operate more in my mom's family than I do with my dad's family. Yeah, and uh, and so growing up was incredibly. Um, it was an interesting moment, you mm. know, like growing up in a fancy home, you know, my grandmother, my aunties, my mom, you know, fancy all around. But then, of course, they do speak Ga too because mm. we've lived here for yeah. like the longest, so they do speak Ga. 
And so sometimes they can switch to ga. You <laughs> might think they are gas, but no, they're actually fancy. Yeah. So they could also switch between the ga and the fancy all the time. So yeah, that has been my life at home. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so growing up with these uh, strong, fancy women who were essentially modeling what it looks like to live in a house maybe run by women or where women are equal to men or, or whatever the dynamic was how has that now um, influenced the way that you approach the community building that you do it does a lot and i think it, it, i think i said this earlier but maybe let me uh, expand it a little bit um for instance something i find it really a little bit un- uncomfortable when people use masculine you know, words on me, like mm. boss, master, mister, <laughs> you know, those words are like, it aches me a little bit like, mm. you know, because yeah. <laughs> I didn't know for some reason, um, because I grew up around women, um, interestingly, I also saw, and maybe, yeah, I mean, that's my opinion anyway, like I, I saw men as a little bit bullying, mm. you know, and in most cases, I had to see these women in my life fight them back, mm. you know, even among my siblings, among my um, uncles and all these other males in the house and all of that. Yeah. And and I'm, I was also incredibly sympathetic towards yeah. the women in all of these. And so I would say that uh, going into um, activism and um, then in doing the work that I, I do now um, offer me the opportunity to really see the the the, the perspective that women brings to the table, mm. especially the fact that they shaped my life. And yeah. so I always want them on the table. Um, and I always say it is incredibly important to give grace to women because there's a lot that they do. Yeah. So they are going to do it all right, right? Especially black women, (laughs) right? There's a lot that they are doing. And and there's one interesting thing that I've realized that people who do work or work on the regular um, are the same people that when you give work to them, they are going to do it. Mm. So if you see the women working and you give a work to a woman and the woman hasn't done it, it's not because a woman doesn't want to do it. Mm. She's going to do it all right, but there are so many other things. There yeah. are multiple, various levels of other works that this person has to do to yeah. get there. So it's probably like, or more or less like um, a scale of preference. Mm. Yours comes. It doesn't mean that he has to start with yours first. There are other things that are also on the line that he has to meet to get there. Yeah. But eventually, the woman is going to get there and it's going to get the work done. Mm. And when you look all around us, you realize that it is especially their work, their life, their experiences, their decisions that has shaped most of the amazing things that we see on Mm. earth. And if we pay closer attention to it, we will realize, right, and see the importance that women play in all facets of life Mm. Um, and so for instance in our um, executive team within LGBT rights Ghana for instance uh, we currently do not have we have quite a number of women in our team Mm -hmm. um, but I'm hoping that there's going to be a time where the women (laughs) will be more than (laughs) the men in the the team I'm hoping for that time and so um, but I mean even the fact that you have you know a good number of women is Mm. very uncommon when we look at corporate structure not just in Ghana but Mm. you know across the world people Mm. are having to have quotas to even get like a third of women on their senior leadership so you're already ahead we are hoping for that Um, our um, so we have two board members Um, the two of them are actually women Mm -hmm. Um, so um, one is a cishet woman and the other is a transgender woman Mm -hmm. and yeah, the ones I go to all the time for all the <laughs> advices that I can get yeah. uh, in our next moves and all of that. And then when you look at the executive team to functioning, and I'll give shout outs to our programs director, Tracy. She's she great. She is amazing. I love Tracy. Like I've always like, okay, anytime she comes to ask something, I'm like, what can I do to 
to help all yeah. the time, you know. Yeah. And I see all the effort that she puts into her work mm-hmm. and the very things that she wants to achieve and it's just infectious and I'm always like happy <laughs> and always willing to offer whatever support that I can offer to her in yeah. her work. So yeah, it's it's been incredible. It's amazing. Been amazing. <laughs> so it sounds like you are um, it sounds like it's important to you to support your team mm. and also of course the work that you do as an activist is about supporting the LGBT community Absolutely. which is very very needed in the current climate in Ghana mm. what I would like to know is how you manage your own mental health and how you look after yourself when you have all of these other people looking up to you and you know all these other people that you're supporting through your initiatives yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, and maybe I'll start by saying there was a time where I was in this um, um, meeting session, and then we we're like, we need to, we need to, we need to take charge of our life and then take rest for our, ourselves. You know, we have to be radical about the approach. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but <laughs> in theory, when it comes sure. to theory, but when it comes to reality, that is not the case. Yeah. You know, you would wish to want to rest, but the next second and the next second, there is something coming up all mm. the time. So yeah, in as much as we would, I would wish for a radical rest, it, it doesn't happen. Mm. You know, and so, but. Um, what I try to do sometimes is to just pull back sometimes. Um, and I pull back in a way where I don't pull back completely. I mm. just tend to do all the softer stuff. So like mm. the easy things, like, you know, responding to emails, you know, just um, staying back and then also l- looking at all that is happening and then just, you know, relaxing. Yeah. The moment and all of that. Yeah. And then um, to see if, um, to also like see what other um, new ideas can come up or what is a different perspective that we mm. could take and all of that. So I would say that uh, in a way, I find a way to like just withdraw. Sometimes. Yeah. So I just withdraw. I withdraw and then just stick to YouTube videos or anything, <laughs> anything you know, soft and easy yeah. to to just watch or read or something. Right, what I just like do. escapism yeah, kind exactly. of thing. Yeah, exactly. I just escape and then just create my own utopian world in my head and mm. just run with that idea for some time. Yeah. And then when I feel I am well-rested enough, then... I come back, but mm. that's not always the case. There are other times where <laughs> I don't feel well rested enough, but I still have to get up and start yeah. going. But I still try yeah. to find those little moments for myself where I withdraw and then just watch something or just, you know, create, you know, a very fancy world in my head and mm. just escape into my head and just be in yeah. that moment for some time. Yeah. I love this idea of creating a utopia in your mind. Are you willing to share some of the, um, some of like what what is that world like? That world that you escape to? Yeah. So the world that I escape to, honestly, it's mostly um, from a relationship perspective, right? So mm. I escape into a world where, you know, myself and my partner. I'm um, maybe, you know, in a home somewhere filled with a lot of plants and mm. flowers and trees. Sounds and dreamy. A little less humans around me. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I really do not want so much humans around me. I just want them like a little bit distant from yeah, me, yeah. like, you know, from a screaming distance. Like, hey! Yeah, you know, like you can be around, but <laughs> yeah, not but too close. Not too close, <laughs> right? And then we have our own world where we get up in the morning, you know, water the garden check some of the plants that are bearing fruits yeah. and the ones that needs to be pruned and ones yeah. that need to be taken care of and all of that. That so sounds I nice. love plants. I have quite a number of plants when it comes <laughs> to my you know, create, try to um, collect ads. I love ads too, mm. you know, collect ads, look at all these amazing ones, hang them somewhere, have a story to tell about all this ad. And then maybe sometimes even travel to other parts of the world and mm. check what is also there for us. So I would say, I mean, my, my utopian life has always been about me and a partner that I, <laughs> I wish to build life with. Yeah. And then also, um, I don't know, I'm still 
torn between having kids or having mm. children around or not and so i'm still like i'm like you know what i don't need to rush yeah i'm just, so yeah. I'm just gonna keep the children part on a hold but there's been also other moments where as part of the utopian thinking i've thought of kids and imagine how the kids are also going to you know fare around the house mm. and how they're going to go about living yeah. and being yeah you know us being together and seeing what's the next steps are like for us but in most cases it's just been about me and my partner yeah well that sounds like a wonderful (laughs) utopia and i feel like by by escaping there you're calling it into being so definitely come to pass in the future i'm sure Um, so I want to ask you about your spiritual beliefs mm. um, and how they influence the work that you do as well, how they maybe keep you going, how they inspire you. My spiritual beliefs, that's an interesting one. <laughs> interesting in the sense that um, currently I identify as non-religious, mm-hmm. right? Um but I grew up as a Christian. Mm. Uh, and of my, I think my Christian journey and the experiences that I had to go through growing up as a Christian is what informed my decision to be non-religious. Mm. Um, And I would say my non-religiosity has allowed me to to be in contact or relate with various religions Mm. with open mind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Whereas at the time where I was a Christian, I really turned to not giving or allow for like other religious perspectives yeah you know uh, my non-religiosity is is in appreciation of every other religion mm. or even people who do not believe in any religion yeah and my focus mostly is the human person mm. and the environment in which we live in and how everything on earth is one way or the other connected to each other Mm. and that mm, there's nothing on earth that is more superior over the other Mm. and for that matter everything needs to be treated with respect yeah everything yeah i don't want to mention because if i mention then (laughs) <laughs> gonna, it's going to be an ending, but imagine everything on earth and giving respect to all those things. Mm. And I believe, and that's where I would say my spirituality comes from mm-hmm. the fact that everything needs to be reverent, everything needs to be respected humans, animals, trees, yeah, everything. I love that. You know. Yeah. And I think that has also made me to appreciate everything around me, the people around me, the diversity in Mm. all of the sense. Yeah. Right? So I always go into spaces or places with that open mind because... It, it allows me to wow myself with <laughs> some of the things that I've never seen or encountered before. Mm, right? Yeah, with curiosity and exactly. an open mind, you can have more new experiences, exactly. can't you? And it's, and it's amazing. And I would say that is where my spirituality mm. mostly comes from. And I also identify as a humanist. Um, a humanist in the sense that the human person needs to be given all the necessary support to realize their potential Mm -hmm. and their goal on earth right and i say that once you are born 
you are definitely going to die. Yeah, right? that's true. So in between life and death, it's what you offer to mm. us, right? You offer to your existence now. Mm. So it will be unfortunate and sad if anything comes in the way of a human person you know living through earth realizing the potential contributing to earth before dying mm. and so also a lot of times my also my approach to even activism also comes from the fact that everybody should be given the chance to live mm. and contribute to the development of this world and that everyone, everyone have something to offer if we are given the necessary support and the encouragement mm. and the opportunities, then everybody is going to realize their goal. And so I will go further to say my activists also come from the fact that when those things are not being achieved, when especially other humans start putting bottlenecks and mm -hmm. challenges and difficulty in the way of another human yeah. achieving their potentials and their goals in life, then it's something that worries me a lot. Mm. And I always want to ask myself, what can I do <laughs> to, 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 to help or yeah. salvage the situation? Yeah. You know? So on so many occasions, I've had to sometimes even fight in Trotro <laughs> in other places because, <laughs> because like somebody's that. bullying another person. Yeah. And it, it, it freaks me out when I see people bullying mm. other people. Like mm. you don't have to do that. Yeah. Like we are all humans. We are all facing challenges in life. You don't have to make somebody's life mm. difficult than it already is, mm. you know? And so it's it's, it's so I'm always going about <laughs> fighting a, fighting people's fights. Fighting, <laughs> fighting people on the trotter. I do and on the streets too. <laughs> because like I, I can I don't I, I can see myself going past bullying or a certain level of injustice being meted out on someone. I don't know. It I, I would just mm. feel bad yeah. going like it it would it would just be in my head and it yeah. would just fight me for the rest of the, the the days to like weeks or even months and it, it, it will even come back at some point and be like oh i saw this happening i didn't even do or say anything or yeah do, you know at least if i say something <laughs> or do something yeah that gives me enough peace to mm. know that at least we didn't allow for a bully to get away with their mm. with their with their with their with their inflicting pain on someone or something yeah so <laughs> this brings me nicely onto a question i have about mm identity yeah and you know right now in ghana we are experiencing i would say a heightened level of anti-lgbtq plus sentiment even mm. though it's been there it mm. is definitely at a heightened level right mm. now um and you know there is also a rhetoric that um, the anti-LGBT bill that has been proposed is a way of preserving African values. So I would like to know how you are able to, um, how you relate to your identity as a Ghanaian, but also as a member of the LGBTQ plus community when we're in a space where there are people who are trying to lead us to believe that the two things cannot happen, cannot exist together. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And um, maybe, uh, m let me try and see if I can take it this way. Um, maybe just drawing a little bit of history mm -hmm. to like also try and answer this question. Yeah, teach us, school us. <laughs> now, um, when you look at the various families and then the various societies or communities that we have here in Ghana, The focus of these societies are mostly on an individual and what they contribute mm. towards their society, mm -hmm. right? So society never had problems with the differences that people had mm -hmm. 
it's that idea of a community made up of individuals, mm. right? So it's what the individual can do for the community, community and the community looking after the individual. Absolutely. So we had, or we've had societies where people were effeminate, people are masculine, presenting if they are women, or effeminate if they are men, or anything in between. Mm -hmm. And society never had problems with that. Mm. Now, I've always thrown this challenge, and I've always asked that who in Ghana can say or would say that they do not know either a family member or a friend or someone in their neighborhood who is either masculine presenting if they are women mm. or effeminate if they are, if they are men, mm -hmm. right? And, and so one will beg the question, so now where is the challenge coming from? Mm. I think the challenge to which Ghanaians are having and it's also the idea that others are making us believe is about the sexual activities mm. that the diversity in which society exists have, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at also the history of the various societies in Ghana, or communities in Ghana, now sex is a conversation that is hardly had. Mm. Whether it's a heterosexual sexual activity or a homosexual sexual activity, it was always a conversation that never came up mm. because it never bothered anyone, mm. right? Whoever two consenting adults decide to do in the privacy of their room was never an issue mm. for families to discuss or a community to discuss. Mm. So the sexual activities between two consenting males or two consenting females were known by various families. Mm -hmm. But just as heterosexual sexual relationship uh, sexual activities wasn't discussed, so was the homosexual sexual activities. Mm. It wasn't something that families were interested in mm -hmm. discussing. Because it so made no difference it to made the no family. No difference unit. to the family. Yeah. Right? What the family focused on were the contributions mm. that all other family members were bringing to the table. So some family members in Ghana, if they're going to be very honest with themselves, knew that some aunties of them and some uncles were of them were in relationship with people of their same sex. Mm. They knew about it, mm. but they never discussed it because it wasn't anything to discuss. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an issue for them to discuss. Nobody cared about that, mm. right? So the question of why or how this became an issue can now be looked at from the the importation of other cultural lives mm. that had to come into our lives also as Ghanaians. Mm -hmm. And in this case as the as a British. Yeah. Right? When they came to Ghana and when they colonized Ghana, they also came with their laws mm. and with their religion and also their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it was in the British criminal courts where was where the cr criminalized cons um, sexual relationship between um, adults, whether they are, uh, and, and in this case, they were actually criminalizing any sexual activities outside of the female vagina. So then if, if, if mm. even if you are um, a heterosexual and you have anal sex with mm. your partner, this, this, this law is criminalizing you, I right? Yeah. And then you come to their religious um, doctrines too, mm -hmm. right? And then their religion, it's actually a religion that is binary,
mm. right? Their, their religion doesn't allow for um, other sexes like our culture allows for, mm. right? In the Ghanaian context, there is no way any society would say they didn't know that there were also people who manifest other genders, which mm -hmm. was different from the gender in which they are known to be born in. Mm -hmm. And that was never a problem. As a matter of fact, in certain contexts, some of these genders were revered. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if you pick the people of Ga, when you l they have a spiritual um, 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 belief, right, where in most times, the spiritual heads, um, the Wulumo or the Nayewe, these oracles are usually possessed mm. by either of the genders. And most times, it's actually the, 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 the males who are effeminate in mm -hmm. their mannerisms are mostly the ones that these oracles mm. uh, do pick. And then they are the intercessor between human and the gods. Mm. And even within that spiritual beliefs or the spiritual practice, the the oracle or the gods could possess anyone at all. It doesn't yeah. even matter your gender. Yeah. So you can be a woman and then you can be possessed by a male deity yeah. and you need to manifest the characteristics of that male deity. Mm. So and it was like never a problem. Yeah. So those are essentially people who are chosen to be like spiritual leaders of mm. the community mm. who often are or at the time often were people who didn't lean into gender stereotypes, at shall all. we say. At so all. it could be an effeminate male, um, an effeminate man or, um, you know, a, a, a woman who presents with more masculine traits. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of... Um, a teaching I had in Eastern philosophy mm. whereby, you know, they they discuss masculine and feminine energy, mm. which mm. has nothing to do with whether you're um, born a man or a woman. It's totally. an energetic thing, yeah. right? Exactly. And one of their teachings is that the purpose of our spiritual path is to balance our masculine and feminine energy so that we are not too much leaning into either one or the other Absolutely. and that the greatest spiritual teachers are those who have balanced that energy. Yes. And what does that look like in someone who is a man that might look like presenting more effeminate just because they actually have that energy balanced mm. whereas we currently live in a society that asks us to lean very deeply into gender stereotypes right i think that that, that i think this question also brings me to my earlier submission that we are all humans mm -hmm. right yeah and so every human should be allowed to live up their life and be able to achieve their potential so once you begin to impose your stereotypes or what it means or what your life means to you to me, then you are now asking me to become like you. But then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but I'm not you. We are all diverse in mm. the way we come. Diverse in mm. color, in height, in size, in sexualities, in genders. Mm. And there is diversity across. Yeah. Right. So it will be unfortunate, and it's actually unfortunate that we will begin to box ourselves into various forms of binary, mm. because no matter how we try to box ourselves, there are going to be other humans who will never fit into any of the boxes. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. Not even two. You can even create three or four or five or six. There are still others who might not fit into all those mm. boxes. So how about you just leave people alone? Because wh whichever gender you try to even push them into, how is it going to affect anything anyways? Mm. Mm. It is their life. Mm. And all you have to do is to support them. If you think you can't support them, just get out of the way. Exactly. And just allow them to live their lives. Exactly. It's as simple as that, right? Yeah. So then it brings me back to the conversation I was having again, that society never had problems with all of this. And I use the gas as an example mm. now when you pick even their can mm -hmm. system you look at the way 
the royals dress right mm -hmm. the king for instance so two for he's a popular one so let's use him look mm -hmm. at the way two for dresses yeah when you look at the dresses the anklets the bangles mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. around him and all of that those are very effeminate mm -hmm. way of dressing mm -hmm. even the way he even ties the clothes and all of that mm. right but and b when you also look at royalty closely, you realize that those who are closer to royalty are actually people who do not fall within binaries. Mm. So people that people might des describe them as either Kujubesia <laughs> and now yeah. Barberima yeah. because they're able to see beyond these binaries that society mm. tries to set. So they are the ones who are also most of the time closer to royalties. Mm. And so they are even able to dress the kings and the queens and all of that, mm. right? Adorn them with all of these ornaments that makes them look incredibly regalia. And yeah. People are admiring and stuff. It takes those creative minds and it's usually, or in most times, the queer people who take up those roles within mm. royal uh, 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 um, households and all of that. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at even the dancers, an example of the dance, Adowa. Mm. Adowa dance is very feminine. Yeah, yeah. So if you are a male and you're going to dance Adowa and you go doing all this masculine stuff, like nobody will even look at you. Yeah. You need to dance in a way that appeals mm. to people. Like they will see you and then, like, you know, give you all the. The, the <laughs> high five and the two, you know, thing like, yay, yeah. thing, right? And it's very feminine, the way you, you turn your eyes, your mm. hands, the gestures and all of mm. that, right? We never had problems with even males doing things that are perceived to be even feminine in nature. Mm. When you look at the Bamaya dance, in the northern part of Ghana by the Dagombas. This dance is actually danced. Before you can perform that dance, you actually have to dress in the f in, in female clothes. Okay. Right? You have to dance in the female clothes, put on all these female dresses and mm. all of that. When you look at the history behind this dance, it tells you that the, one of the, the gods were at some point angry and for that matter, they were not providing for the community so they had to consult the oracle and the oracle said before they can the gods are going to forgive them unless they they are men dressed in the opposite mm. and perform these dances to appease the god as when they will allow for more um mm. bountiful harvest in the next season That's and when so they did that it happened. Yeah. Now, when you look at it closely, this is all related to queerness, being different yes. yeah. from the from the from the from the binary that has been set all the time. Mm -hmm. It is different, mm. and we never had problems with it. So, when you look at various societies in Ghana across, there are great evidence of queerness mm -hmm. that exists in all of the cultures. Mm. Now, so where what does this oppression of queerness come from? The oppression is coming from the fact that we all of all of a sudden have people who are so obsessed with the sexual activities mm. between two consenting adults mm. in the privacy of their rooms. Yeah. And that's the thing that's um that's so <sighs> so strange to me that there is as you say this obsession about what is happening in the bedrooms of queer people um and there's this rhetoric that it is damaging families mm. when on the other side we have this uh, celebration of side chick culture mm -hmm. <laughs> which is actually breaking up families right. and the same people the same politicians, the same leaders, the same church leaders who are trying to essentially criminalize homosexuality are the same ones who are, um, you know, breaking up marriages and breaking mm. up families with mm. infidelity. Mm. So why is it that we as a people um, are saying we want to preserve families, but then we are doing these two opposite things one mm. where we're trying to where we're allowing 
infidelity and another where we are essentially um breaking people's spirits mm. which isn't good for family either right. so why is that happening right <laughs> it is interesting um interesting in the sense that first of all i am a queer man right i identify as a gay man i come from a family mm. right i do take care of some of my siblings mm -hmm. children mm -hmm. the costs even on the daily that I have to take up on myself to make sure that they are okay, they are well educated and all of that. Mm -hmm. It's simply unimaginable. And sometimes it's myself, if I have to keep this money, I should have been rich by now. But <laughs> these are the responsibilities that I have to even play yeah. as a family member to my family, mm -hmm. right? So how on earth? Or how dare anybody think that all of a sudden, because I am a gay man, I have become an nuisance mm. to my family. And for that matter, they have to set up laws that will criminalize me. Mm. Now, if you come and criminalize me as a queer person, what are you doing to my family? You are actually breaking the family. Yeah. Because those who are depending on me to feed for themselves are not going to be able to have that because of some of these damaging laws mm. that we bring in. Yeah. Now, then we ask ourselves, what is the reason for these laws? Uh, and why are we all of a sudden so angry and so, like, you know, uproar about the LGBTQ community, you know. I always say the word LGBTQ, those are acronyms from an English word. Mm. So if you don't want us to use the word LGBT, we can just yeah. put them aside. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Those are acronyms. That's no problem with yeah. that. Yeah. We're but not you attached to the labels. Take the fact that these are humans. Yeah. And these humans have existed in every family. We mm. are there in every family. You know, Angel sang the song, Ebi Wufi, right? Wufi, mm. that every supi supi, kojobisi, Ebi Wubiafi, all of these, like whether straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, like we are everywhere in every house. Mm. So how dare anybody want to criminalize us all of a sudden, right? So then it, it brings us to the point where we need to ask ourselves, where is this coming from? And first of all, like we were talking earlier, it's coming from some of the British colonial laws that they brought, the religion that they also brought, mm. right? And now looking at it in the 21st century, this same religion has, you know, metamorphosed or has gradually changed into now criminalizing the LGBTQ community. Mm. But let me give you one interesting twist to this. Now, when you look at, and I'm sorry for any Christian, but we have to be very honest with ourselves. Mm. And I'm also going to talk from the Christian perspective because I also grew up as a Christian yeah. and I learned a lot as a Christian also. So I, I have fair knowledge and idea about what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Now, when you pick the Christian beliefs, Proud to even our independence or even post-independence Ghana, Christianity wasn't that strong in mm -hmm. the country. There were, there were the, the Catholic, the Methodist, the Presbyterian and all these other missions, missionary churches that came, uh, that established in Ghana. But they were not as influential mm. as they are now. Now, what changed was the demonization that this religion brought. And it's interesting, right? Because they started with various groups mm -hmm. before they finally came to the LGBTQ community. Mm. Now, one of the first groups that they started demonizing were actually people who were practicing traditional beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. They demonized them. Oh, your family is not well because of this curse that is in your family by this 
uh, ancestors who were worshipping mm. those gods and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So you had other family members who were attacking their other family members because this religion allowed for them to, to, to attack them by demonizing them and saying they are the cause of the misfortune that was happening in various mm. communities, right? And then they moved away from the demonization of uh, traditional beliefs and practices. And then they came to um, older women. Mm. So now this same religion yeah. now moved to older women in families and said, oh, this 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 woman in your mm. house is a witch. She's a witch. She yeah. is the one that is causing your downfall and all of that. Mm. And so now people began attacking older women mm -hmm. in their families. Yeah. Now, Christianity, especially around the 70s in Ghana, there was, you know, there was a coup and there was hunger and all yeah. of that. And you realize that the, the, most people who sort of had much easier lives were people who had gone to school and were Christians and yeah. stuff, yeah. they had more privileges yeah. as compared to people who were mm -hmm. traditional and were doing all the traditional stuff. Yeah. So Christianity was also packaged in a way that seemed more appealing. Yeah, it's so a way when for opportunity. Exactly. So when we were going through all this hunger and these challenges within our history, mm -hmm. people saw Christianity to be more appealing. So mm. they started advising themselves. Now my children have to go to, you know, the school and also become like yeah. this person or that person so that we don't also go, go through hunger. Mm. But of course, hunger is painful. So yeah. who wants to be hungry anyway? Everybody wants the best for themselves. So none that happened. Now, one other thing that Christianity also did after all of this was the next target group were women. Mm. Now, Christianity also came with a binary saying the man is the head of the house mm -hmm. and then the woman and then the children or whatever is some yeah. is what it's it's, it's, it's it's i don't know what, what to call it <laughs> but yeah something like that right yeah but guess what within our culture and now we even take the akan culture for instance yeah in the akan system it is the women who are the decision makers of the house mm -hmm. The women were the ones who were in charge and control. Mm. That even before even a male can ascend to the throne as a king in a particular community and stuff, it is a decision of the women, especially the older women in the house, mm -hmm. that will allow for that to happen. Mm. So there is no way that you can take decision or do anything without consulting the women or without the decision of these women. Mm -hmm. Now, the Akan practice a matrilineal system, so it means that it is the mother side that yeah. the, the 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 resources goes to to take care of children and everything. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a saying that right? Which literally which literally translates that all I know is that my mom has given birth and this is my sibling. However, my mom chose to give birth. That is not my problem, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it goes further to, 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 to explain that women had the autonomy to decide for themselves what kind of men they want and they can actually have multiple partners. Mm. And yeah. have children from multiple men. And yes. it was never People a People conveniently problem. forget that. Exactly. <laughs> and it was never a problem for anyone or any family. No family will come castigating you or undermining you because you've had children from various men. Mm. There was never a problem. Mm. Now, what this religion did was now to put women beneath the man and say that, listen, if you're a woman and you don't marry and and have this man as the head and have the children, then you, you didn't do the right thing. So now we, are, we, now begin, we began demonizing women mm. and now trying to box women and subjecting women into various um, relationships that are even 
not right for them. And then we began also seeing the increase in femicide and all of that. Mm. Proud to some of these things, in the olden time, you wouldn't really, we wouldn't see women, women being killed on any, mm. anyway. Mm. But when did we see the, the increase in, in, in femicide? It was around the early 90s. Mm. It was also because that was also the time where Christianity had gained root and now there was the 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 evangelism that was going yeah. around especially on radio and on tv and all of yeah. that yeah. proud to that that wasn't and proud to that the w- you don't even touch women mm. like their family will match up to you and what they will do to you you regret mm. it mm. and women were seen as the head as it is in even other cultures yeah right yeah. the demonization and, and the cultures, coming of this religion did that yeah and even right? those cultures because obviously i can is matrilineal most yeah. i can groups yeah. are matrilineal mm. but even those groups where they didn't have the matrilineal system mm. they still really had a respect for women and their place as absolutely as leaders in the community absolutely yeah. you know yeah now, when they moved from women, and they haven't moved completely from women, mm, it's more like obviously, adding and right? moving they the keep focus. Yeah. So now, in the early two thousands, there were there was an increase in radios and TVs and all of that. Mm. So we also saw the increase in televangelism, right? Mm. And that was when we also began seeing some of the charismatic. Yeah. Pastors we have now. Yeah. And guess what? These were people who were also emulating pastors, especially from Europe and then the US. Mm. So you realize that their approach to preaching and how they did things was actually the replication of the Western preachers mm. who were doing all this televangelism. And when you look at these Western preachers, they were also demonizing. LGBTQ people. Mm. So now they also, due to their emulation, they also started learning that. So now we also saw within the radio and TV now the demonization of the LGBTQ community. Mm. Proud to that, people knew other people were gay and lesbians and bisexual, whatever. Nobody cared about. If anything at all, they would rather make fun of you. Oh, could you be Seattle or Barbarima and all those things? It never went to the extent of being attacked or Mm. being abused and or being discriminated against all of that. No. Mm. But the demonization started with the church when they gained roots and had access to radio and TV, and when they now started, oh, the LGBTQ community, they are the ones who's going to destroy the family and blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. That is not true. Mm. We've existed. We've been part of the family. Exactly. We and the families haven't been destroyed. part of the family unit. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, some of us, our resources, is even part of the upbringing. Mm. Family always saw the importance that... P- their family members bring to the table and not their sexuality, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And that has always been the case. Now the demonization and then the division that these brought is what is mm. now the it's it's what we are seeing now. So mm. now this same group with time got so influenced by the West, the Western uh, evangelicals, mm. and now this is what we are seeing. Yeah. And so when you look at the current trends within the LGBTQ community, the, the attacks and, then, and the rhetorics on radio and on TV and the bill that we are mm-hmm. currently battling with, mm-hmm. when you look at, first of all, the rhetorics, the language, the words that are being said, they are just echoing the words of these evangelical groups in the U.S. Mm. These are the exact same words these people use in places like the U.S. Mm-hmm. Anybody who is doubting can check. Mm. There are YouTube, there are Google, and all these other places. Just check these yeah. evangelicals, yeah. right? One of them is a World Congress of Families. Go check them. Mm. These are the approach. Mm. They just object to their binary. So anything that falls outside of a binary male and female, the man being the head mm. and the woman being underneath the man and then the children, well, anything that falls under be outside of this box is what they demonize, mm. right? And that is what has been 
hovering around places like yeah. the US, right? Yeah. So in the US there is the 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 anti black, the anti Islam yeah. and all of this. These are white supremacist ideas. Mm. And they are finding and because they are losing grounds in the places like the US, they are now finding new breeding grounds mm -hmm. where they could export these ideas. Mm. And that is why we are seeing places like Uganda, places like Nigeria and now Ghana. What we are experiencing here in Ghana now is not new. Mm. When you go to Uganda, it has happened there. In 2014, there was the Kill the Gay Bill, yeah. which is similar to the bill yeah. we have here. In Nigeria, there was the SSMPA bill, the Same Sex Sexual Prohibition Bill. When you look at the wording, the language in all these bills, it's mm. no different from what we have here in Ghana. Mm. And when you look at the history behind all these bills, it is as as a result of the influence of these far-right mm. evangelical groups in the U.S. that has been even been tagged in the U.S. as a hateful group. Yeah. So instead of moving us closer to African values, what these bills are doing is actually moving us closer to replicating our colonial masters, basically, Absolutely. and fully taking on Western patriarchal ideals. Absolutely. Yeah. And dividing families rather than what it's six exactly. to wants to do. Just divide family, yeah. you know, unnecessarily and subject other families, members to disrepute. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, okay. <laughs> That's all very um, insightful, but also somewhat... Um, it's concerning. It's mm. very concerning, you know. So, um, what I would like to know is... What can we do as a community, you know? What can we do as a global black community to basically to help us? I, I, wanted, I wanted to say help us move forwards, but that might not even be the answer. The mm. answer might be to just, you know, look after ourselves so we can exist in the now mm. rather than fighting to move forwards. Or mm. it might be education. It might be... Um, you know, creating more groups like your own. Mm. But if you could just pick one thing that the global black community can do to um, to help the Ghana LGBT community, but also to help our whole, you know, because everywhere there is within black communities this anti-LGBTQ sentiment. So mm. what can we do as black people to make our community more inclusive and to uplift everyone? You said one, but maybe I might just pick two. <laughs> I don't know. I just like to take more than I'm always told to pick. <laughs> no problem. All right. So I think that the very first is for... It's for people to just let others be. Yeah. Do not try to want to make people conform to you or your beliefs because you wouldn't like it if I do the same for you. Mm. So first of all blacks everywhere need to respect ourselves mm -hmm. and let's show empathy and love to ourselves Yeah, because we've only got ourselves yeah. to take care of. Whatever hate or disgust you have for someone can only grow but it only grows to hurt all of us mm. right I always say love is contagious and so is hate yeah definitely. hate is only contagious so as humans we are always torn between choosing these two either to love or to hate mm. the decision lies in our hands as a people to always choose from yeah and i would suggest that we choose love i think that's a good suggestion because <laughs> i believe that's the only way that we can be able to appreciate our differences and be able to support each other mm -hmm. in our growth as humans, as yeah. people, as, you know, people living on Earth. Yeah. 
mm. you know, before we part, mm. right? Now, the next aspect would be that, or my second um, part would be that in places like Ghana, and specifically to, um, to us as organizations or um, organizations, we need a lot of funding. As a matter of fact, we need money. Yeah. Whichever way we can get this money, we just need it. Mm. Because there's a lot that we propose for ourselves that we think might help mm. in our now and our uh, and beyond, right? Mm. But all of these can happen if there are enough resources, both monetary and um, exper- expertise, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are able to get this enough, I believe that it will help in the situation. Mm-hmm. To be honest, we do not have answers <laughs> to the challenges. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I've always said to myself, I don't know. I wish there was just just one answer that says, okay, when you do this, yeah. then it's going to solve every other yeah. thing. But no, if that was the case, I guess the UN would have <laughs> solved all the world's issues. Well, but just when they're even solving one, the they end up creating <laughs> multiple challenges, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think it's the same with humans everywhere, in every organization and stuff, mm. right? There is no one specific answer. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is that we can try multiple yeah. approaches yeah. and hope that some of them would help or work. Yeah. And that can only happen with the support mm-hmm. that we give to ourselves along the line. So yeah. for us we need the, the 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 cash and we also need the expertise okay. in our cause. Yeah. So I'll add the GoFundMe page and um, mobile money details into the show notes for awesome. anyone who wants to support. <laughs> Every little helps. <laughs> Um, unfortunately we have to wrap up I would love to speak to you for another hour we might have to do this again but before we I think there are other things I didn't mention but hopefully we can just have this there's so much more to talk about but before Mm. we before we end Mm. um, I have two final questions for you so the first one is um, what do you want your legacy to be so when you are an ancestor and people are calling your name, <laughs> what, what do you want it to be for? <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be honest, I want to, personally, I want to know that I was able to come to this earth, earth or I was able to come to earth and contribute my quota in how I did mm. towards humanity and to earth and and that is what I'm doing with the yeah. best of my abilities yeah you're definitely already that doing that it makes impact even if it's just one person yeah that is even impact yeah I want to leave knowing that I have offered and given my all to mm-hmm. the best of my abilities mm-hmm. to that and one other thing is also the fact that one of the th- or one thing that I fear most is actually silence mm. especially silence in the face of oppression mm-hmm. it scares me to death mm. I would rather talk or speak up and die knowing that I've spoken up and die mm. rather than to be silent or yeah. keep quiet and die. Yeah. So my hope is that I would want to be remembered with every other generation knowing that they never shut up but mm. they will always speak up mm-hmm. and speak up especially in the face of injustice. Yeah. And That's hope so that beautiful. Yeah, I hope that we, f- we influence people who can have the courage to speak up for themselves. Mm, You definitely do. I think you've already (laughs) influenced many people to do that. Um, So the final question is just how can people contact you? How can they follow you? And, you know, you mentioned before that one of the things that um, LGBT rights Ghana needs is also skills Mm. and maybe people offering their time. So if you can also let people know which skills you're looking for and how they can 
offer themselves? Awesome. So um, I have personal pages and at um, I'm holding GH across board <laughs> <laughs> on all social media platforms. Um, but most times my my personal pages are for my personal stuff. So you wouldn't <laughs> see so much work there because I like to move the energy in terms of work to yeah. LGBT rights Ghana and stuff there. Mm. So um, we, if you follow me, you can equally follow the organization's pages across social media platform mm-hmm. um, at LGBT rights Ghana. You can get um, all the updates and every information regarding everything that we are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, and also, uh, at the same time, in terms of the expertise or the experiences that people can offer, to be honest, uh, we are in a country where we have to battle or fight every other thing. <laughs> so, as a matter of fact, every other experience and every other expertise that you can think of, we need it. Uh, I mean, even if we don't need it now, yeah. we will need it at some point. So, yeah. you can just reach out and tell us what you are good at. Yeah. And when the need arises... We will reach out back to you mm. and and see how you can support us in our work. But every expertise, every experiences, every knowledge is needed okay. uh, um, um, this time in our work. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kofi, you, for Alba. joining me. This has been a great conversation. It has. And I hope to welcome you back again soon. I look forward to that. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. If you learned something valuable today, then please don't keep it to yourself. Share the love by leaving a rating or review, and tell a friend. You can connect with me over on Instagram at araba.oa and I hope to see you back here for the next episode. In the meantime, keep drinking from the source.